August 29, 2014, it's a lot from Pedro's show.
Juan from Pedro show. Uh, I ain't really in Pedro, people. Uh, I'm well. I am in Pedro, but I'm not with Brother Matt the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point. I'm here in my pad, and uh, joining me via uh, the internet. I'm on, I'm on a spaceport. I'm on the spaceport, Mike. Yeah, you hear I'm that, good Mr. people? Sunra on the spaceport, beaming down to you, peeps. Good people. That's Mr. Mark Stewart. You're uh, talking from London. Is that right? Respect. Respect to the brother in the ghetto. Okay. Respect to the fellow legend. Big up Mike Watts. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And respect to you. Sound the horn. Sound the horn. <laughs> okay. We started the show off with John Coltrane doing Stellar Regions, then Flashback by Sawako and Daisuke Miyatani, and finally Trapped by the Pop. Mr. Mark Stewart, you, you, you've got some plans coming up. Uh, For sure. For sure. I'm having a rebirth. Right, but before we get to that, I would like to go back in time, a flashback. Can you remember your first music uh, memory, experience? Yes, we had these action man. They were, you know G.I. Joe? Yeah, dolls. We had, when we had those little toys, we had something in England called action man. They had a little thing on the back that you could move the eyes. Yeah. They never had any genitalia, did they? Uh, G.I. Joe, no, but it was a doll that boys were allowed to play with. Yeah. So <laughs> so <laughs> about six or seven, they brought out a little Action Man EP. Okay. That had loads of like, it had like a little bit of a story that it had loads of like combat signal to bass. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> had loads of like really cool stuff later on. That I, you know, that I think I must have make, tried to make a lot of my solo albums with Adrian Sherwood to sound like these Action Man records. You know? Damn. Beep, 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 helicopter overhead, you know. That was my first experience. Of, I mean, it wasn't really musical. It was when we were kids, we used to just run around kind of pretending to shoot aliens in our heads, you know. Yeah. I remember me too growing up. I was born in 57. And so there was... They were... This was about me. Hang on, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So this is your, fir your first music. Uh, and you're six or seven years old? Yes, yeah, still. Okay. <laughs> I'm still in the same clothes. I'm, I'm, I'm regressing. Bullshit, you are. Adult baby syndrome. You were that tall in those days? <laughs> I came, and my mother said she pulled me out of the womb with my... Yeah? Yeah. I didn't hear that. It got cut loose. <laughs> she didn't cut it, thank God. <laughs> well, I got pulled out uh, with uh, thongs. Uh, what are Ooh. they called? What are those things called? Mano... Manacles. 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 Manicured noise. Yeah, manicured noise. Oh, is that why you've got that weird meek on head? That's right. Well, that, you cool, know what? Man. Cool. I always thought that was big. Oh, that is so cool. That's, a, ben there. that's a benefit from being uh, delivered at a Navy hospital. Oh, uh, yeah. benefits. Oh, now, yeah. now uh, what was number two experience after Action Man? Well, it's, it's a little bit jumbled. I mean, my very, very early experience, even before I had a record, my, my great auntie used to live with us, right? Or, right. We lived in her house. Yeah. And she'd always used to ask me to go and help her find her teeth, right? And she was <laughs> the first person to have a television. Okay. In our, in our family. And I remember clearly watching a black and white television of this Royal Command performance, which had the Rolling Stones on it. Whoa. But in fact... This ballet dancer called Najinsky was on the same time. <laughs> I was more interested in this Najinsky. I just thought he was really weird-looking dude. You know, I thought he was like some kind of weird alien. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, if I'd been a bit small, I could have been a ballet dancer, I suppose. Okay. So, 
Experience number one is Action Man. Experience number two is Nijinsky. Okay. I'm having to break that. Is this some kind of therapy? Mike wants therapy hour. Now, everyone has a different journey through music, and I want the, you to share with yours. Um, okay. Share. <laughs> share. <laughs> so, so... What's the first? I said your Navy school was like that share video when she's when she sat on the big on the boat on those big things. Oh, share, share, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when, when when did you get your first record? Now again, it was my older brother that that that, that had the, got the record player right, so okay. he was listening to he was he was listening to the Blues Breakers. Oh, okay. Right? When I was really, really small. So there's a Blues Baker song called something like I Am Your Witch Doctor or John Mayall song or something. Sure, right? sure. So I was kind of exposed to some of that sort of stuff. And, that, you know, that's, but, I, I, that's but then Jack when, Bruce. We, when I got a bit older, we, you know, we thought that was kind of, we rebelled against all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's really, really funny. I did this thing with this German newspaper yesterday. And we yeah. always said, people have always said that the pop group was the first band to break out of Bristol. I mean, there was one rock and roll band that my uncles used to know in the 50s called Johnny Carr and the Cadillacs. But then suddenly this German guy said East of Eden were from Bristol. <laughs> East of Eden? Do you remember East of Eden? They were like the same time as Fat Mattress and Blogwin Pig. Sure, sure. Boogie. I think they called that Boogie. They called it what? Boogie. Boogie. Cool. <laughs> you never heard that word? No, a booger or boogie or boogie <laughs> or something. It's something that no. knows in England. There was a T-Rex song called Born to Boogie. Oh yeah, oh boogie. Oh yeah, I know boogie. I know boogie and funk music. Yeah, boogie was a kind of power trio, kind of rock and roll. Uh, like rock, the groundhogs. Groundhogs, right? Exactly. Joe Strummer used to say that the groundhogs invented punk rock. Wow, I wouldn't doubt that. I miss that guy, mate. I, I mean, I didn't know him very well, but I miss Joe Strummer. Yeah, too young. Yeah. I was talking with uh, Mark Riley there in Manchester, and he told he was he's big groundhogs fan. I think yeah, Groundhogs... they're still playing, man. They're still playing. They are? Wow. Yeah. God damn. And Chicken Shack. All those guys are still playing. Wilco? And Webb's Chicken Shack. What, what's that guy? Wilco Johnson? Wilco. Oh, again, Wilco, for us, you ask anybody... The funny thing is, I mean, I don't really see myself as a musician. I just remember I'm as much a fan as anybody, right? Yeah. But over the years, you, you know, like, I, bumped, I remember chatting to Ian Curtis and Joy Division... I'm mates with the kids in the Mary chain now and primal screen, blah, blah, blah. But you sit talking to somebody and we all really had the same... I mean, people go on about when the pop group came to their town or whatever and they started a band or we saw the pistols or whatever. Yeah. But for, for people of a certain age, Dr. Feelgood, right, were, were, they, they changed the thing from prog rock. Wilco looked like one of us. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They changed, they made it possible. It's, I think it's like the beginning of the Mersey Beat boom or something. They made it possible for you to have an idea and be able to get on stage yeah. and, and, and be that person. Because before it was all like capes and, and flying saucers, you know. <laughs> when I saw P-Funk, they came down in a flying saucer. <laughs> I saw that concert. I went to see the P-Funk. I went to see P-Funk Funkadelic when I was like 13. Oh, man. That was, so Mothership Connection, that's a great tour. I, yeah, I mean, working with Skip and Doug and stuff in the Mafia, they are like, they're P-Funkers. They're mates with Eddie, that black, black foot, what's his name? Those guys, oh, mate. Oh, man. So, so funky as hell. But, but, but going, so you, Wilco, but Dr. Feelgood, this opened the door. Because some people, yes, oh, yeah, I, I hear clear something up. What about pub rock? Is that different than well, pub rock? Well, Dr. Feelgood was pub rock. 
okay. the real, the, the coolest bands in England were Dr. Feelgood, and there was this band called the Count Bishops, which were like the English kind of flaming groovies. Okay. Well, and a lot of them, some of their stuff came out on this label called Sky Dog in France, which put out Iggy's right, Metallic KO. Yeah, that Metallic KO, again, you talk to people of our generation, whether they're in bands or they're just make Metallic KO is Metallic KO and the dolls on, on the old Grey Whistle Test show. The dolls on the old Grey Whistle Test changed people's brains. You know? Yeah. I got yeah. to know I got to know the guy from Suicide, was you know, the tall Martin, the tall guy, right? Martin. And every yeah. time I see him, every time I see him, he he gets fed up with me because I'm just grilling him about that Mercia Art Center and the beginning of the dolls and actress and suicide and you know. Yeah, Mercy Art like Center. See, seeing the New York dolls on the television, we haven't seen anything like it. And then I saw a tiny clip of Joe Bryce. For me, Joe Bryce is the man. Wow. Yeah, Joe Bryce had this yeah. thing when he's, he had a spaceman say, oh, mate, Joe Bryce. <laughs> Mark, let's play some more music. Come on. 
For Pedro Show, back with Mark Stewart. Uh, we pl- heard a pop group doing Hotter Than a Th- Thousand Suns, then something new from Bars Vanilla, Moon Boots from Kyoka. I did some bass there. Out of, uh, she's out of Berlin. Guy from uh, Dalama's Musica and R04. Face Breakout by Tobacco, that's Mr. Tom in Pittsburgh. Uh, Ovinsky, Omochi, Disciplina Kitchman, that's something brand new out from Koya in Belgrade. And finally, pop group with Kiss the Book. People, I'm getting learned here about a connection between uh, pub rock and punk rock. Uh, Mark Stewart's uh, explaining. Yeah, so basically, I mean, for me, punk rock, I mean, I was only like 13, 14, 15 when glam was going on. Yeah. But Roxy Music were punk rock. I mean, yeah, sure. on that on the pop group Cabinet of Curiosities uh, record that we that we were talking about, there's a track that we one of our the earliest version we did of, of Beyond Good and Evil when we were at, was with Andy Mackay from Roxy Music, right? And to wow. us, Andy Mackay was more important than Eno, right? Andy <laughs> Mackay was dressing like a kind of rockabilly with like Teddy Boy jacket on and playing this really cool sax. And all my mates started playing sure. sax because Andy Mackay made a solo record. He was he was cooler than Fairy. Oh right. man, it's yeah, really, yeah. Really weird. He was and very if you, cool. If you if you check the first two Roxy albums, I was talking to Vernon Reed about it yesterday the other day. The guy from Louis Carter. Sure, check, guitar. They, they were so cutting edge and interesting, and the and the, you know even Phil Manzanera, who came from a kind of a bit of a Phil Manzanera was in a band with a guy from This Heat. I mean, This Heat were the closest were, were our fellow travelers. They helped produce some of the early pop group stuff. Have you heard of This Heat? Yes, I have. The Bristol band, right? Okay, we're back on. Uh, a little delay there, people. I had to get the uh, T-shirts <laughs> for the tour. But uh, Mr. Mark Stewart being very kind and patient with me, he he bared with that hell, and now he's going to continue on. Uh, we were talking about Roxy Music. You know, uh, I'm re- reading this Wire book called Read and Burn. It's kind of a history of the band, and they were way into Roxy. Yeah. So, And, and they, they cite other people who dug Roxy. I think Roxy was a huge band for the scene back there. Uh, over here, we, uh, we dug Roxy, but we, we were in a minority. But then after a few years, they became very popular. But, yeah. But Glam in U.S. was, you know, when you talk about the dolls, you know, it was homegrown, you're right, but the, uh, the U.S. audience didn't uh, take to it. Some dudes did, and, and, and that... I mean, Kiss, Kiss was from the same scene. The thing is, Kiss were playing on those same bills as the New York Dolls. They were, they were. They were wicked Lester. Uh, but for some reason, that went over. But that yeah. kind of went over with little kids. Yeah. So, so whatever. It's trippy how things it's work funny, out. funny, though. I've been talking... Some of the journalists I've been talking to... I was talking to this Italian guy this morning, right? Yeah. And they're telling me they were getting in... They were listening to the pop group when they were 12 years old. Jesus Christ. I know. I know. I mean, we were only 16 or 17 when we were making some of those tracks. Yeah. It was like a 12-year-old. I mean, I, I remember hearing some Hendrix stuff when I was like eight or nine or something. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, well, we talked about, right, Action Man, and then uh, 
uh, with the, this pub rock stuff and now Jimi Hendrix. What, what led up to making the pop group? Because you guys were only teenagers, right? You were really young. The funny the, 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 the craziest story about the pop group is it was it, it was it's, it's the kind of it's, it's the humor and the kind of messing about in it. The, is, the thing is that me, Gareth Sager and Bruce Smith were kind of were, were, were friends from like the age of 15. Okay. One of our best friends, Jeremy Valentine, friend of, a friend of mine and Gareth, how we met each other, set up this band with a friend of mine from school called the Cortinas. So me and Gareth and Bruce were just kind of hanging out and going to the... They, they went up to London and played the Roxy and they were... Miles Copeland gave them a deal and Mark Perry from Sniffing Glue was writing about them. So basically, we were just a gang of mates. And in the punk, punk rock days, it was basically, if you were wearing the right shoes or, or you looked a bit cool, you just said, OK, buy, go and buy a drum kit or try and learn to play the guitar. So we, it wasn't like we decided if we put an, an advert for musicians. We were mates. Yeah, yeah. And we were always taking the piss out of each other. And that comedy between kind of mates yeah. continues in the band. I mean, when we got together, we've always still been mates. We've just played with other people, like, you know. And, you know, as soon as we started working together, when we're, we're just constantly doing these kind of childhood kind of pranks. And that kind of, people don't realize the kind of humor and the, kind of, and the joy in the pop group, you know. It's, it's, it's quite, it's very celebratory. Although we're talking about things, people will try and dismiss it and say, oh, these, you shouldn't talk about these things, they're heavy. But it's fuck. it's, sorry, you know, sorry to swear, Mike, but it's bloody No, reality. you can cuss on my show. I'd rather be honest and talk about reality no, you than can pretend cu- that it isn't happening. You can cuss on my show, and in fact, I advocate it. Okay. <laughs> that's what the internet's about. Well, if it's allowed, I don't want to do it. This Cortina's, that, that's, that, that's a, a version of Ford uh, cars that were sold yes. in England, right? Okay, when, when, when does this start? Like 76, 77? 70, well, I, I, I tried to make a band. This isn't exclusive. I tried to, I, re, I read William Burroughs' book, The Wild Boys, when, in like 73 when I was like 12. Oh, and wow. And I had this vision wow. of playing at the local youth club, coming out of dustbins, dressed in bin liners. So I kind of, I had a vision of punk rock before it even happened. I mean, I Coming out of dustbins with bin liners? What, what, yeah. What's that? A bit like the Muppets. We'd be in the dustbin, what, the, the trash can? Coming. We'd be playing our toy guitars. <laughs> okay. You, you come out of the trash can with, with, yeah. with, with, with like, trash bag. Lo- trash! Okay. Trash, pick it up. <laughs> it's Eggman! <laughs> okay. Okay. So you, you conceptualize this. Well, you, you were really close to Divine, weren't you, I heard? On the <laughs> grapevine. You guys were really close. Were you the Eggman? That was Edie, the walrus. That was Edie, the egg lady. Yeah, I was the egg man. The walrus was. You know that mustache you've got, the, Mike. Not anymore. It's 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 shorn. I am shorn. His no, name's Sean. It's shorn. Yeah, I ain't been wearing a mustache for a few years now. Okay. And the border guards get very angry about that. Why'd you cut it off, Mister Watt? Because <laughs> they're all yeah, wearing I them. Cut mine. I have to prune mine. But the funniest thing, I, I was I, there's, there's these friends of mine are running radio stations. These two girls are running radio station in in. Uh, New York. Yeah. And uh, I said to one of them, I said, what, 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 what have you been doing for the last year? She said, well, for the last year, I've been a beard. Right? <laughs> and I'm thinking she was like a, like a big beard and like a Monty Python stage show. So, you know, a friend of mine had to walk around with a big fr- fr- flower pot on their head. Right? But a beard is supposedly when you're a girlfriend of a gay guy. Yeah, that's right. It goes back to more- Rock Hudson's manager had him marry his secretary. Cool. That's, that's one of the earliest beards. Beards go way back, though, I hear. 
Cool. And uh, anyway, um, there's a band called Anal Beard, isn't there? <laughs> Is there? And there's Anal Cunt. Oh yeah, I know about those guys. Right, they're from New England. I, th- I think Massachusetts. Oh, are they male? <laughs> yeah, they're dudes. <laughs> I think kind of overweight. <laughs> kind of overweight dude. I think it's one dude actually. I'm getting excited now. Thank God, okay. I got to take off this gimp mask. <laughs> <laughs> but don't zip. Yeah, up. so where were we? Don't zip up the mouth. Oh yeah. Well, what you wow. said was uh, the way you started your band was you conceptualized it after reading a uh, Bill Burroughs book. The first, well, that was in my head. That was when I was. That was just a vision. It didn't actually happen. Yeah, but that's why I said conceptualize. Yeah, conceptualize. Yeah, sorry, conceptual. So, I don't conceptual uh, in art terms. But then there's the Cortinas. They're just buddies, right? And then the yeah, pop- but seeing them, seeing them, okay. be able to get up on stage. For, for, for me, seeing Paul from the Clash with stickers on his base, telling him yeah. where to put his fingers, <laughs> and his sniffing glue. They had a little like layout of where to put your fingers for a couple of chords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and you know, and, and, and seeing people like us who would kind of dress like us and getting up and having a go and just shouting and screaming. Okay, okay. At last, there was a, before, it was very class-written. You had to come up and talk to some public school boy and, and put on, like, you know, shiny clothes. Do you know what I mean? Okay. You were saying but something about... Uh, for me, the, the, the energy... I've got a saying. There's the, there's, there's, the, there's the arrogance of power. Yeah. But we had the power, and we still got the power of arrogance. You know, okay. nothing, nothing, punk gave us the energy to smash down doors and have a go at anything. Yeah. And then post-punk, supposedly, I mean, I hate genres or whatever. Yeah, so do I. We could, we, we those doors, we, anything was possible. It was like a new kaleidoscope. We could, you know, we could suddenly like listen to, you know, I remember hanging out with Sun Ra. It was, it was just, it was just wide open. And, it, you know, not a lot of people took that opportunity. But for me, punk was a really enabling political it was like a new world, really. That's righteous. Mark, we're at the end of the first hour, August 29, 2014 edition of for Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour two, people. August 29, 2014. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. <laughs> Suck on their rented TVs. 
tener una casa para su, para los niños porque uno siempre añora tener algo pero para sus hijos que uno después se puede morir y queda para ellos ya que algo para ellos
Watford Pedro Show started the second hour off with uh, Liberty City by the pop group. Then we heard Marcha de los Pobladores by Victor Jara, uh, Pescador de Otros Mara by Familia Miranda, and finally, Osonio de Fianilla by Osonio de Manayo. That's the band I'm on tour with in uh, 12 days. Uh, I was just talking, Mr. Mark Stewart, my guest, via the internet uh, in London. Uh, about this jam, Liberty City, and he, he's filling me in on this. I, I did know about the riots in, in Florida, but like you say, you like to jumble up stuff. Yeah, so so I just saw these images of, 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 of something that there was an area called, I think it's in, outside Miami or something, Liberty City. Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. And I mean, there's another song that I've been working on since I was a kid called Citizen Zombie, which is a similar sort of, similar sort of vibe, you know, right? And it's just, it's just, I had this whole thing about the the, the, the control. You know, I'm working on 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 a, on a kind of new kind of variation on it now. When I'm going on about digital slaves, but Liberty City was dealing with like television as a kind of control unit, yeah. right? And now you see people people are kind of enslaved by technology now. Yeah, right, right. And the whole thing is that you just from the cradle to the grave, you're a, you're a slave. Right? And people talk about, you know, it's, it's, it's bizarre. People think they're being freed up by doing this or doing that. But we're becoming more and more and more controlled. Well, and think- these illusions of, 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 of freedom and, these, and even, even what we're doing, Mike, is being co-opted into the, into the, into the, into the matrix. It's, it's, it's quite bizarre. You know, near to me in London, there's this place which is complete. It's, it's like this credit rating agency, but it's, it's the computer power in this place decides whether people kind of live or die, right? Yeah. I saw people coming out of this dressed like this place, dressed like rock and rollers with Converse on and Sonic Youth t-shirts. Yeah, and they are the enemy. You know? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's quite bizarre what's going on. I mean, I think there's hope in some of the kind of. Luckily, some of the guys in the Electronic Frontiers Foundation, yeah, and some yeah, of the kind of you know the kind of pirate bay guys and the kind of hackers and some of the their brains are too fast to be controlled and they are kind of inventing the future. I mean, my dad was a scientist. Hopefully, some of the real kind of brainiacs from our generation or the kind of open-minded youngsters or something can kind of reposition some of these things because the flags of our fathers are, are, are tattered and torn. We need new ideas, you know. Yeah, yeah. What about these anonymous people? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, let's backtrack a little bit to the, the the pop group. Where did you get that name, man? We wanted to be the pop group. It's bizarre, you know. We wanted to when we were kids. That when we were kids, we wanted to be the pop group, right? So we played like in these little cricket sheds and in these sheds, and then suddenly a couple of journalists came along and and they said <laughs> they said. They said, oh, this is really weird. You sound like Captain... We've never really heard of Captain Beefheart, right? No. The thing yeah. is, the wow. thing is we, Mike, we couldn't play. They thought we were doing it deliberately. Or, but we were all playing like the wrong... So- I think at one stage, we were all... Play- we started the wrong... Three of us started two different songs at the same time. And these older guys with the beards like laughed at us, saying, this is really weird. Sounds like, you know, I knew Albert Ayler and stuff. So... To me, it sounds a bit like donkeys. <laughs> but I mean, this is the first time I've said it. I mean, I didn't understand what was going on, but over these years, I've just learned to keep my mouth shut. If somebody says this is really... He <laughs> <laughs> right. caveat after. Uh, because, you know, when I got the record, your first record, nobody wrote about you guys. Nobody wrote about any of the bands over there except, yeah, maybe Sex Pistols. 
So I just picked on names, and I couldn't believe yeah. a band would be called that. I, I, I thought there was some kind of ir- irony involved. But you're saying, no, you actually did want to be the pop group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we wanted to, yeah, we wanted to be the pop group. You yeah. know, when I was a kid, yeah, we wanted to be the pop group. It's in, a, a, in, a kind of, in a kind of 14-year-old playing in a, in, on a little tiny stage in a youth club. Sure, sure. Those sure. were our dreams. Okay, right? okay, okay. So these journalists start writing about you. What was your first London gig? Or uh, no, what's your first Bristol gig? That as the pop. In a, in a, uh, my bro- I used to organize these school dances. Right? You're still and, in uh, high school. You're still in high school then. Yeah, of course. Okay. Still in high school, right? When, when I was on the front cover of all the English music papers, and I was doing my. I came back from. We were doing some gigs from Paraluba in Europe, and I had to come back on the ferry and rush into school and try and do my exams. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Damn. I wrote a fifty-page, a fifty-page thing about Hamlet being the hero of the of, of, of the mind in this kind of William Burroughs style, completely off my block, and I couldn't. I'd like to publish it. I couldn't get it back off the bloody exam board. You know, <laughs> but I didn't go to school much. I spent half my time in kind of reggae shops and you know clothes shops and whatever. Sure. But yeah, so the first gigs were just. I, I was running these kind of. I was I was I was running kind of nightclub nights when I was like thirteen or fourteen with all with like funk DJs and reggae sound systems and stuff. You know, because I was tall. I was going out from like the age of eleven. Oh, you looked older than your age. Yeah. Yeah. I speak a bit older than my age as well. You absolutely do, sir. (laughs) (laughs) That you do. You are correct. No, no, now I understand. So, yeah, you were kind of... And then you also had an older brother. And he turned turned you on to stuff, too. He was getting into... He was he was getting he was a bit like Ronnie Lane. He was he was he was kind of growing a weird beard and getting <laughs> into kind of folk and stuff. So we were kind of opposites. Yeah. And once when the Cortinas were playing at the Roxy, yeah. my brother turned up with his mates with like clogs on and this weird beard. And I was trying to be cool and hang around with Don Letts. I kept to say to my brother, they called him King Arthur. <laughs> my brother, please don't stand over there. I'm trying to talk to these posts. <laughs> But he was a very good harmonica player, my brother. Oh, okay. And there's this English harmonica player called Lou Lewis. I mean, a lot, you know, even with the feel goods, harmonica was quite interesting in those times. You know know what? Little Walter and stuff. Little Walter, you know, I was just talking to some cats about England rock bands in the 60s. Almost every singer was a harp man. Yeah, it's Cyril Davis, really. I mean, Cyril Davis was the man. I mean, in the history of uh, English, our early R&B, there was this thing, Cyril Davis had a jug band before yeah. Alexis Corner or anything, right? But Cyril Davis, or Davies, his him that found Brian Jones everything, more than John Mayer, more than Alexis Corner, Cyril Davies, this, this harmonica player coming out of Skiffle, was, yeah. was the man. Little John Baldry played harmonica, hey, you know. T- tell me about, I, I don't really know what Skiffle is. What is Skiffle? It's before rock and roll skiffle, in England, right? Skiffle, it's funny, I was in Hamburg, right, yeah. a couple of years ago, on the Reaper Bar, because, I, I mean, the, the early period of Hamburg, around the Star Club, where Gene Vincent was over there and stuff, just, you know, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And I just went into this, I just went into this bar of an afternoon and this old guy was there, this old kind of German rocker. And I was just chatting to him, I was going, do you remember when Jerry Lee Lewis and Gene Vincent were here? They were like virtually living in Hamburg, you know, the, the Beatles were like a session band to play day and night in the Star Club, you know. Yeah, right. And, um, and some of those guys are still out there, the big three, those, the people who took the photos, Astrid and whatever. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. And he, there's this, there was this thing called, a, there were jug bands. Which is an Appalachian thing when people used to. Sure, sure. Jug like, band is, a, is is backwoods music here. Yeah, right. Yeah, 
It's Appalachian. It's German sure. Appalachian. It's the same roots that Jerry Lee Lewis come from. It's like 1920s Appalachian music. Yeah, yeah. Hillbilly. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of blew into like what we call cider jugs, beer jugs, to make different noises with the different levels of the of the water. Or the, or the alcohol in the jug would get a different tone, right? Yeah, right, a different note. And actually, so, they did... So, so they my did, uh, dad, I mean, the, the, the skiffle was like the English beatniks. Everybody was going on a band of bomb marches, wearing duffel coats, using washboards, playing like Woody Guthrie songs. You know, and those early... the early, okay. the early blues tours that oh, came so it's, it's were playing to the skiffle guys, because the skiffle... But they were really into trad jazz, some of these guys, you know. Okay. But where's the word skiffle come from? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. You'd have to ask Lonnie Donegan. That, that's cool. That's cool. Look, let's play some more music.
just one question. Thank you. 
Final music for hour two. Uh, Mr. Mark Stewart here with a wealth of information about this. Uh, what do we call it? Feral England rock and roll. Feral is yeah, kind of wildcat. They were early. I mean, Vince Taylor was here and he had a massive effect on everybody. Vin, right? Vince. Vince Taylor. The, the, the okay. Brand new Cadillac and everything. He was. He was. He was like living here. And you're and finding the, out the, more the, and more. The, the, there was an English take on rock and roll. I mean, it's, it's, quite, it's, it's quite similar on the kind of English take of hip-hop that my friends Massive Attack and Tricky did and stuff. They, they didn't sing in an American accent or something. They were singing these kind of accents from up north. And they had some of the, the, some of the moves, but it was really, really kind of English working class, you know. And the whole Teddy Boy story, it's, it's, it's really interesting the way that these, I call it tropes or mems, the way that these things get picked up somewhere, yeah. taken somewhere else. Yeah. You know, I was talking to this, I was talking to this kid from Beirut saying how they heard Massive Attack and twisted it into their sound. You know, the way these things travel around and, sure. get, and, get, and get mutated. Yeah, right, right. I, I think that's part of uh, what uh, artistic expression with humans is about. It's supposed to be some kind of fabric that connects us in a different way. Usually when we connect, it seems it's always tyranny. Somebody's got to have yeah. somebody's boot on somebody's throat. But it seems with artistic expression, we actually can share the fabric without getting butch on each other that way. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah, and I think music has an incredible energy to change and to, and to connect people. You know, like yeah. there's, this thing about the, there's this film about the Chinese punk scene called the Beijing Bubble. It's, it's, it's amazing what's happening right across the world. So many weird, interesting, you know, I heard about, there was, a, there was a girl band in Brazil that were doing cover versions of pop group songs. Nick Cave's first band, The Boys Next Door, was like just doing loads of weird, like, some of our pop group songs. Like, wow. within weeks of them coming out, we were like kickstarting a scene in Australia and Brazil, and it's crazy, man. Well, you know about your influence on the Minutemen. It was incredible. I don't even think the Minutemen would sound like the Minutemen without the pop group. I should talk about what we just heard. We just heard No Spectators by Pop Group. And ahead of that was They Died, a demo from Sandra Vu, Target Me, Van Jui, uh, Jian Gaff. That's a, uh, a Beijing man, by the way. Think about seven. Well, that's a new coincidence, Mike. <laughs> just when I was talking about Beijing Bubble, the Chinese pub film. You, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it's tricky uh, about hardcore. We're on the edge of the time space continuum, man. <laughs> Ahead of that, some brand new uh, uh, El May. I played a role, and we started off with Sense of Purpose, the prop group. What, what about this Curiosity of Oddities? Curio of... What's the name of the... the, the Cabinet same? of Curiosities. Cabinet of Curiosities. I'm so sorry. This is an anthology of pop group stuff. Some stuff never came out on an album. Some stuff is from the first two records. Well, actually, the not the first album. Right. Basically, apart from where there's a will, in those days, in those days, we never put singles on albums. Oh, okay. 
right? So the only thing that was that's ever that was ever officially released on Cabinet of Curiosities was Where There's a Will, which came out as a seven inch yeah. hasn't had since back in the day. I mean it was like our big one of our biggest songs. And the other side Apart of from that, all the songs on Cabinet of Curiosities have never they're either completely unreleased versions, unheard songs. I mean, it's all original stuff. I mean, me and Gareth, the guitarist, I've been yeah. listening to so much bloody pop group stuff. It's driving me mad. You know, but <laughs> I think it's I think it's worth after all these years. I said that if it was if if we were ever going to put that stuff out, we had to own it. We had to control it. Yeah. Like when we were kids, when we set up our own labels under Rough Trade, that whole independent DIY Mekons, Scotty yeah. Politi. I'm still there, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And if we were going to do it, we were going to do it properly. We were going to represent it around the world. We weren't going to be ripped off by some fucking... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because some of this was on bootlegs, I heard. Yeah. There, there was a cat... There was another bootleg that came out last week. <laughs> there was a cat in Austin who set up a pop group website years ago. And that's yeah, how... That, I think the man passed away, but it'd still be running his name or something. But anyway, uh, this is where I heard Liberty City and, and Hotter Than a Thousand Suns and s some live at Helsinki thing or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm so glad that you did put this together so it could be uh, heard properly and you guys could control it. That's very yeah. important. And there's stuff that even I am amazed. I didn't really, uh, you know, we've tracked down stuff with help from friends in New York and and all around the world, you know, people all around the world, I mean, it's, it's definitive if you ask me. Okay, yeah. And uh, there's a few, you know, in the next two or three years, there's, a, there's new material, we're recording an amazing new, the, the new stuff is sounding off the hook, man. Wow. We're, 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 we're doing it properly, once and for all, so, you know, and, and the story should be told, because the thing is, we never really talk to the press much at all, because, you know, yeah. we, Can we, we talk? were always doing benefits, and it was a very heady time, and it's still heady now. But it was Margaret, Margaret, Margaret Thatcher time. Exactly. And over exactly. here was Ron Regan. Uh, exactly. Look, other musicians really, really got into it, but the general public, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a bit of a mystery. So, in some of these big English magazines, and even you know, Pitchfork are going mad about it. It's, 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 you know, I'm always, I'm always, I've had this song called "Don't, Don't Call Me Pain." My name is Mister. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I Great rather song. explain too many things, but, but. And people take their own things from music. You know, that's the great thing about music. People get a completely different understanding of what it is. Absolutely. But the story is going to be told. And hope, and, and, and the, but the thing is, time and time again, another generation or another generation of really cool bands start referencing the pop group or my solo stuff or something. So that's what, but, you know, and then you, you check their stuff and feed off them. It's like one of those of, of chemical snakes. Yeah, chemical snakes. Uh, you know, there's another song on that first album called Words Disobey Me. Yeah. Great, great fucking tune. Look, can we talk about that album? I heard there was, sure. some, there was some, somebody told me something about it. It was kind of a nightmare. But, but you tell the story. It was a nightmare? That's what I heard. You had to go head to heads with some powers that be or something. Oh, well, I mean, it's honestly, Mike, if if you, if you have any if, if if you if you have any connection with capital right or yeah. trying to raise capital or other people's money i mean capital you know goes back to the it's it's medieval you know the whole of the english system is you know there's dynasties that control small amounts of capital or they do land grabs to get a bit of capital or whatever you know that's why we're so pleased that we're doing this kind of we're, we're controlling our own destiny and some of these crowdfunding things are amazing but anyway, back in the day, 
it wasn't so much even the, I mean, you know, we were working with this guy called Andrew Lauder, who set up United Artists, who was great. You know, they signed, they, you know, he signed some amazing people. UA was great, right? Okay. And um, no, we, 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 had, we had kind of freedom, but it, 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 the, the, for me, it was an incredible experience. You know, it, the, 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 the possibility, because I'm a fanboy at heart. Yeah. And the possibilities of working with, like, there was this, I heard this tune when I was like 13 or 14, when I was knocking off school, called, called Feel Like Making Love by Elizabeth Archer and the Equators. It's kind of this thing with these kind of backward thunder noises on it, this crazy English dub, right? Yeah. And we had meetings with John Cale to produce the album. We had, we were, wow. And I was trying to get King Tubby to do it, the Jamaican dub producer, right? But he got shot at a dance in Jamaica or something. And so I, I, I got hold of this Dennis Babel, right? Who'd done this Elizabeth Archer song. Yeah. And we got into the studio. And the guy was like mashing up. He was like doing multiple edits on like on quarter inch tape, sticking it on the walls, turning it backwards. It was like kind of music concrete. Wow. And and, and me and Gareth, who'd kind of grown up on kind of John Cage and Stockhausen and stuff, we were thinking, bloody hell, this is amazing. But he had, he had, it wasn't just, he had the dance reggae background. So the bass lines were still tight. The drums were still tight, but we were kind of experimenting. It, it's, I mean, I worked with him again last year with Keith Levine from Public Image. I mean, the possibilities of those, those kind of experiments are amazing. I mean, I remember when I came and saw you guys, the Stooges, at, um, at that thing in Berlin. Yeah. There was a noise limit there, right? Right. And it was the first time I'd understood the Stooges' position. You had Steve Mackay playing saxophone, I think. Yeah. The first time I, I, I heard it, I heard it quieter. And it sounded, the interplay between the different, it, it sounded like Albert Ayler or stuff from ESP or something. It's really, really experimental, some of that stuff. They're kind of weaving in and out of the, you know. Absolutely. That's what Ig wanted. Yeah, great. Wow. Okay. So, actually, that, that, that album was an opportunity that wasn't a nightmare. So, I heard wrong. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, you cannot, because, the thing is, because we don't really, I mean, for me, I've got everything I've got to say is in the art, is in the thing. That is my letter to, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, there's the contradictions I'm arguing with myself or I'm just throwing in ideas. That is how we communicate through our music. We don't communicate, we're not orators or, or conversationalists or whatever. So we don't really have a lot of interplay with the thing. And people, people always ask you quite weird questions. Yeah. And, and it's not something, you know, I don't really know. That's, that's what I've got to say. That's my opinion on the world. Yeah. Take what you want from it, you know, and then other people project their own ideas, which is which is fine. But it's not me that said those things. Yeah, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, I have big empathy for you there, Mr. Mark Stewart. We're at the end of the second hour, of August 29, 2014 edition of from Pedro Show. Hold tight, people, for hour three. Uh, August 29, 2014. It's the Watt from Pedro Show.
حاصل نگیر
Watch for Pedro Show. People, we started off the third hour with uh, We Are Time, pop group. That was a John Peel session tune. Coterminous, The God in Hackney. After that, A Lawyer or a Gimmick by Ned Collette and Wirewalker. And finally, I'm Glad You're Crying, Cowboy, by The Sterile Jets. Now, I did a, a John Peel session for Jay Maskus in the Fog, and he actually was there. Yeah. He, well, I was told that he usually ain't at those things. But he was there, and I asked him about the poem. I had a Tyrannosaurus Rex record called Unicorn, and he read a poem on the back, on yeah. B-side. John did, or, or, or John, John Peel did, and I asked him about yeah. this poem, and he said he was good friends with him. But then yeah. he said after a while, the dude wouldn't answer the phone, and I could see on his face a heartbreak. It was a yeah. sad, heavy thing. I felt very bad for him. John Peel seemed very sensitive. He was into the fall, huh? <laughs> Completely. I mean, I mean, again, the fall through all these years. Yeah. I mean, they stood for something. It's those guys. I mean, you know, it's well, Mark really. They, they, there's, and there's this other band called the Nightingales that just come back. I mean, it's amazing through thick and thin, through all these fashion changes. You know, yeah. we we keep going, mate. We keep going, and it's, it's you know, nothing's going to stop it. I don't think. Do you know what I mean? No, well, I'm glad, man. I'm glad. You know, Elvin Jones, he had a tank on stage. He played all the way up to the end. You know, oxygen Dang. tank. Yeah, an oxygen tank. Yeah, because he was oh, so old, you know. As they pulled me out of the oxygen tanks, <laughs> I asked for the latest party. <laughs> Some Bowie, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you keep going. Bowie was a pop group fan. It's, it's really, really weird. When we were kids, my little brothers, all, all the brothers were into Bowie. I mean, Bowie was as much as... I learned more from Bowie about Lou Reed, Jean-Jolet, Burroughs and stuff when I was a kid than, than um, from anything at school, right? Yeah. And my little brother was a Bowie fan. And uh, he got this, uh, like, a, a, a talking disc, these kind of discs they made as, like, interviews that they give to radio stations and stuff in America. Yeah. And this was like in 1978, 79 or something. And an American DJ was like saying to Bowie, who are your favorite bands? And he was going, the pop group and Throbbing Gristle. Wow. I know. Wow. And Throbbing Gristle, that's another great band. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. And you know, these they guys... They changed everything. They changed everything. I'm yeah. They made, uh, they like gave permission to go off, man. It was happening. Yeah. It's like we should have never... Well, I think rock and roll in the 50s was or for top down in the US. It was manufactured for teenagers. I didn't th I don't think it got into the kids hands until after the England bands came in the 60s. Cuz I know yeah. I know from playing I with think the Stooges rock. I mean, if you look at if you look at American that was real when everybody was like starting bands in their little that, town. You that's know, what I that's why I was going to say. Nuggets compilations that Lenny K did. That's why I was going to say because playing with the Stooges, they told me about the garage scene. But it was a reaction to the, the England bands coming over because the 50s, you were talking Gene Vincent and Jerry Lee Lewis, that got lost on the young people. Well, yeah, to a certain extent, but they were still, they were still like doo-wop when you could just go on the corner like a gang and start singing with each other. Do you know what I mean? That's doo-wop was like the equivalent of like drum and bass here. Or, yeah, yeah, to a certain extent. It depends how you look at it. Okay, but the, there was a huge garage scene and put people putting out regional singles. Yeah, Lenny K did them nuggets. Uh, Greg Shaw on Bomp put those things out. Yeah, and the, in fact, the early punk scene, the people I met in Hollywood, they were all students. They knew all that shit. 
Here, yeah. I only knew Arena Rock. You know, I knew nothing about th that little. But <laughs> yeah, let's get back to you. <laughs> Arena Rock. Arena Rock. That's all I knew. Nuremberg rallies. Okay. <laughs> no, I never knew about club until punk. Okay. It all disappeared, Mark, in the United States. It all by I'm 13 in 1970. By that time, the, the club scene had you know tiny thing in Hollywood, right? Uh, but all the rest of the gigs were at these sports arenas and yeah, auditoriums yeah, yeah. and Cheap all tricking and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Grand Funk Railroad and uh, oh, I, 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 I honestly I like Grand Funk. There's a song called Paranoid by Grand Funk. Oh, yeah, I know that one. It's not the Black Sabbath. Once the pop group, when the pop group first came to when the pop group first came to the states, we were like. We were in New York in the no wave times, right? I'm playing with like DNA and, and, what, what, and what year? lizards and bush tetras and stuff, right? What, what year is that? This it was it was really strange because the pop we went again. Just I was I was I, I just finished, I just left school and I, suddenly I was in New York for quite a long period. It was I can't remember. It was like '78, I think. Wow! But you guys, you guys never we came playing, west. We were, Harrah's, we were playing tier three just as the no wave stuff was starting. Oh wow! But you guys never came west. We, um, I actually saw Bruce Smith play drums for the Slits at the Whiskey, but that's okay. the closest I no, saw. I don't think we got over there. We got to Philly, and as I was going to say, we played it. We played in Alan Freed's ballroom where they filmed the Alan Freed rock and roll shows in Philly. The oh, Starlight wow. Ballroom in Philly, right? Okay. And I was I was dressed in my military fatigue, singing about starvation and how much you know how much longer do we tolerate mass murder or whatever. Okay. I was getting ready. I was getting psyched up to go on stage. Yeah. And um, I was standing by the side of the stage, and suddenly there's this stripper on stage, right, with, like, tassels on the end of her nipples, doing this kind of sexy kind of... Burlesque. Program. It's called burlesque. It's called burlesque. Well, they call it burlesque now. <laughs> I said, what's going on? I mean, we were, you know, we were, we were quite a heavy kind of political kind of feminist band, you know. <laughs> And she said, I'm Lydia Laser. I'm Jim Dandy's girlfriend. Jim Dandy from Black Oak, Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> I and saw the them about Jim Dandy. <laughs> you know who stole his act? That was David Lee Roth stole his whole act. Classic. I, mean, I, I saw I saw Black Oak. Jim Dandy was a punk. I saw Black Oak, Arkansas play many times. They're very good live. The album's not too good, but great gig. And yeah. you didn't have to sit in seats. They had this thing called Festival seat where you could just stand that's the first time i've been to a gig where you could stand where you want that's Good. why i call them nuremberg rallies okay they were terrible and uh, you know it, but it was the manure for the punk crop over here but manure you know if you want to be a farmer you gotta you use what's it called <laughs> fertilizer <laughs> fertilizer yeah manure it's a french word right <laughs> I don't know. okay so the, the you you mentioned mass murder that's the second album yeah. Why does it sound so much different than the first? I mean, I love both albums, but they do have completely different sounds. Is that because that Bavel man wasn't with you for the second one? No. The funny thing was, I mean, again, I don't really, I don't really analyze myself. You know, otherwise you'd become schizophrenic. Oh, there's different bass players. Pardon? There's different bass players. Y yeah, but the, the thing is that even within, with this, we are time album. Some of those early songs, like Colorblind and, 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 and Kiss the Book and Cabinet of Curiosity, yeah. they ha that would have been an album if we'd actually recorded them. 
Oh, right? okay, okay. But the thing is, we were we were we we were we were getting so excited about finding all these different things. Suddenly, somebody got like on the corner by Miles Davis. Yeah, right? yeah, sure. We were discovering all this stuff. We were saying, and as we learned to play our instruments a little bit, or unlearned to play our instruments, we suddenly said, "Oh, let's kind of." Let's try and let, let's let's try and be a bit more funkadelic, or let's try and put in these reggae things. And so every week, every week it was it was going left and right and mutating and changing. And we were hearing. I mean, I was still a I was still a funkhead. I was hearing amazing stuff from. I was hearing amazing dance music coming out of out of the states, and I was trying to work that in. And a kind of my vision was to have something as as funky as like as 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 as, as, as there was a tune called East River by the Brecker Brecker, Brecker Brothers. Sure. Right? Sure. A pounding bassline, or sure. you plus me by undisputed truth. A pounding funk bassline, but in 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 a kind of punk rock style. Yeah. So there's something you could really really dance to, but you could get some kind of intelligence on the top of it. So it was constantly changing, and even, I mean, there's a couple of of, of songs. Mark, the actual the Mark. genre of the music changes halfway through the song. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, who, whose idea was the trumpet? But well, we're gonna play a song where you guys got a trumpet. That's me playing the trumpet. <laughs> That's you on the trumpet. You know, John Fogarty learned sax so he could play that on the Creedence album. Let, let, let's listen to this song.
ever see a promo pic for a metal band and there's six guys? I immediately think, all right, which one of you dickbags is the DJ? Please me, baby, if you would be even half as dirty as you were in 1999. Dig it?
as a will. Each and every one of us shall pay on demand a part of sacrifice. Knowing all together, getting ever closer.
the last thing we heard there was where there's a will, it's live, but it's not on uh, Cabin of Curios. I don't know where I got it, but I got it. I played it for Please you. Please stop playing our bootlegs, Mike. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm sorry. And start covering our songs in a really weird female voice. Like a... <laughs> Did you grow the mustache again, man? <laughs> Before that, we had Chronology tri Triology Part 1, Mother Earth by Basho, out of Hamburg. Maybe not out of the skiffle scene, though. And Necronauts before that with Bingo Stampede, The Fear from Black House, ahead of that. Metal DJ, Live Bob Schreiner, ahead of that. Murdered Man with My Catastrophe. And we start with Rob a Bank by the pop group. And that's Mr. Mark Stewart on the trumpet. Now, what gave you that idea? I saw Rashad Roland Kirk playing three saxophones at the same time. Sure. Right? Yeah. And uh, we free kings. I think he was, he was just doing this thing where he's kind of going, Woo! He was just kind of half singing and mumbling through the, and hold, holding his teeth on the mouthpiece so you could kind of sing through the thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, I used to do it with the harmonica as well. So I don't actually know what I'm doing, but I'm just kind of, again, it's going back to when you were kids and you just got, you know, when we were kids, you'd make the fire engine noises with like a kazoo. <laughs> Do you have kazoos in America? Did we have what? You'd make something out of, out of toilet, but we had medicated toilet paper at school and you put it around a comb and just kind of go. Right, we call that a kazoo. Yeah. Yeah. No, a kazoo is something you... Well, a kazoo was manufactured where they had a piece of cellophane, but you got the same effect by putting the toilet exactly. paper so on the comb. I was doing the kazoo yeah. through a trumpet. Oh, okay. It's okay. like doing the Bristol stomp. <laughs> the Bristol stomp, and what's that? <laughs> is that wearing some big shoes? You were talking about shoes before. <laughs> you know what they say about people with big shoes? Oh, yeah. Size of the nose, too, huh? Okay. Yeah, because I used to DJ, you see. Yeah. And I, I, I have so a toilet bridge, but I don't use it as a rule. <laughs> well, okay. You... How old was you? really weird, though. The people that come out of the woodworks and, 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 and the, you, like I was saying, when, when David Bowie was saying he liked the pop group, yeah. Steve Albini Steve Albini was crazy about the pop group. I mean, it's, it's, it's just bizarre, the kind of people from, from all different fields you know some of these records they influence like massive attack or they they just it's just across the board the kind of the kind of people that ran off like i'm saying people ran off because it was so people were running off and, and making whole genres out of, out of a tiny bit of one of the songs you know sure sure i, I told you about minute man i could personally give you a fucking few weeks worth of testimony to that okay so Thank you, don't worry about that i mean you guys and what amazed me was when I found out you were that young. That, that yeah. blew our minds. But maybe that's what let the fleet flag fly because you didn't fucking know where the Berlin Wall was. Exactly. You found out let by pushing against it. Yeah, you, you found out by pushing against it, not by letting it be an abstract construct in your head. I, I yeah, love that. I I, it's still the same, Mike. I don't see any barriers. I mean, I don't see color. I don't see... I don't see any barriers. I mean, this, this new stuff that we're, yeah. we're starting to, we're, we're, as we're starting to play together again. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about that. And utterly weird and out there, and we're not we're not boxing it in. We're just, you know, for well, the first time in my life, I've, I've tried to be non-intellectual. I've tried to just stand away and not control something. Yeah. And well, it's can it's, we talk about that, that though? It's, it's letting things happen, which is quite interesting. Mark, can we talk about that? Because we were discussing how the second album is different than the first album because of the ideas were Russian and Russian. But then after the second album, there's only a, a compilation. You guys stop playing. Yeah. Okay. 
What made you I went off and I, I left the band and, and started doing my solo stuff and Gareth formed Rig and Panic. Oh, right, right. Which was John great... went and formed Maximum Joy and then the original bass player made Pig Bag, you know. Yeah, us in Black, Minutemen in Black Flag saw Pig Bag play in London. They had these gangster suits on. <laughs> Somebody from back, yeah, yeah. And, and then and, 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 and Bruce was in Rig and Panic and then Bruce joined uh, John Lydon in Peel, you know. Everybody kept working. Okay. Now, what made you want to get back? Matt Groening, the, oh. the director of The Simpsons, Simpsons. Yeah, sure, sure. was curating this festival here called All Tomorrow's Parties. Barry, Barry Hogan. Yeah, this was a few years back, right? Yeah. And, in, and, and, you know, a, 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 a character or a famous person could choose their wish list of bands from back in the day or current bands and curate the festival, right? Uh -huh. And I got a phone call in Berlin saying, Matt Groening from The Simpsons wants you to reform the pop group and Iggy to reform the Stooges. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And at that time, I was doing these weird kind of art collaborations with like a Japanese performance artist and some kind of like a, a film, you know, a, you know, some just, I was being put in these situations where I'd go to like a, 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 you know, a kind of art institute in Portugal and get thrown in with these people and kind of make a commission, right? Sure, sure. So I just thought to myself, I thought, well, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I treat this like a, a brand new thing? Like I've never met these people before and yeah. make something that is going to be as fresh as, because none of us, we all really respect what we did, right? None of us yeah. had, none of us need or had the intention of kind of rinsing anything or, you know, or, or being like a legacy act or something. Okay. So, and, and we were all still friends. Like I was telling you, we were friends before we even picked up instruments, right? Yeah, right. So I phoned around everybody and said, look, there's this, I said, I said, it's a weird idea. I said, but if we make something new and come at it and, 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 and are as funny and, 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 and irrelevant and even to our own legacy, it could be an interesting thing, you know? Sure. And as soon as we got, and, 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 and the people's characters now are even more manic and mad than they were back in the day, right? <laughs> and it's, it's sometimes the center doesn't hold, but again, that's what's making it interesting. Yeah, sure. Sure, and you say you have a new approach now. You uh, anti. It's 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 beyond belief to me. I mean, Mike, I've been I've been in some very strange situations. I've heard weird music. I know characters all over the world. Sure, but this situation with this is something that I am not even going to try and understand. I mean, in in about three or four years' time, I can I can sit back and 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 see whatever was spinning out of control. It's like one of those weird chaos things that. that have you seen that film Phantasm? That that's that um, horror film with a ball of chaos kind of sure, floating sure. around the house. Absolutely. Or Fact. like Nikolai Tesla when he throws lightning. It's it's very very weird. But I'm learning not to project too much of my conditioning onto this thing. Sure. To let the kind of golem live and breathe. Yeah. And to stand back and let uh, you know and and to not try and cage it. And then it's it's weird. It's 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 taking quite a lot of discipline. Like you know. It's very strange for me. But maybe strange is good. That's what she said last night. <laughs> is that offer, Mike? <laughs> no, you should... <laughs> you yeah. weirdo. Yeah. Bloody weirdo. I walk you? right into it, you know. <laughs> you got the fucking welcome man out. I just walk right into it. Okay, okay. Now, <laughs> he stepped in that one. There is a difference. You have a young member in the band, right? A young what? 
<laughs> do you know what member is in English? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, yeah, yeah. They, we we have yeah, and that's really that's 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 interesting as well. Because yeah, obviously he wasn't there in the old days. I, I'm 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 curious. Can you give some hints to kind of what it's like, or do you want to just wait till you guys? Re- When's the plan to release this stuff? We, it's 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 we we are we are just it's 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 it's, it's growing at the moment, right? There's, right? there's a there's a there's a there's a trailer load of like of of of, of mad things that are growing and twisting, and we're we're writing at the moment. So we're not I'm not actually sure of the trajectory of the thing at the moment. We're just we're bedding in, doing these reissues, playing gigs. Yeah, what about and, the gigs? And a lot of it is, is about getting control of our own destiny with, with this, you know, setting up our own infrastructure and, and renewing these kind of... Back in the day with Rough Trade and, and, and the independent scene, there was like research in, 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 in California. There sure. were cool people in, in Japan. Vail, just he's renewing a lot of connections with mates around the world and, and, and getting the infrastructure ready that we can, you know, add sure. to it and grow to it and hopefully pass it down to younger bands as well, you know. Absolutely. The whole thing of, of setting up the independent scene around the world is crucial. Yeah, there was... The people I've got respect for more than anything are people like you and people like Ian Mackay who kind of go out of their way to play tiny little places and just kind of work to build it all up so people are given the chance to actually communicate a lot it's a new matrix mike yeah 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 absolutely but i'm telling you you're part of my uh whatever you want to call it ethics comes from listening to your music okay thank you this, this, this it, idea gives me a sense of worth mate de boon de boon called it thinking out loud and this idea you're talking about of autonomy very strong ethic very, very strong. Very, very strong. But, yeah. And you know, and it's hard. People don't realise it's hard work. We have to put in the hours. But hope, you know, it's an alternative. It's yeah. an alternative. Absolutely. Do you have plans about playing in the US? Yes. What advice would you give to somebody getting into the music racket? Don't do it. <laughs> well, I, for me, it's, I mean, music is no different to anything else. And they got this saying in Bali, right? That we have no art. We do everything well. Okay. You know, it's like it's like the the problem is with the with the, with the, with the, you probably seen it as much as I have. The the problem is with what people call the music scene or whatever is it's a haven for freaks. And yeah. I'm not saying freaks in a good sense. I mean, we've called our, our new the, the new labels called Freaks R Us. I mean, there's good for I mean, you know, there's good freaks, but these are pe- it's people who should be in mental hospitals, a lot of them, and they're treated, <laughs> people encourage their foibles and put up with them, and everybody's on the payroll, and people just act like complete and utter idiots. And it's, it was shocking to me. When I was young, I, I had this vision. I mean, when I first heard of it, it's like you guys probably, when you heard about something from a distance, like when you heard about punk rock from a distance, you kind of put, you, you dreamt into it and put your own ideals into it, and it became your own kind of myth. Yeah. But then when you get to meet some of these people who are meant to be radical and they act like they act like horrible pigs to, to people that work for them or something, it's like, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I, whatever you do in life, try and be independent and control your own destiny and that will set, that will set, set it up for generations to come. I mean, that's incredible. People use, use music as an escape. escape. Uh, you know, and I, the, the most important thing is, I think we have to be responsible for our world in whatever we do. We have to we have to show some kind of responsibility, and 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 in the West, 
our cravings and our addictions are destroying the planet, you know. That's great advice, Mark. I yeah, want- and I've got this, this, I've got this, this concept on work. I mean, the trivial is dangerous company, right? Sure. And I've got this, this, this concept that's just growing in my mind about dangerous distractions. We're being distracted by changing things or stopping things that are happening in the world. Yeah. By bloody, by entertainment. You know, there was, on, on, on that we're prostitutes thing, there was this thing about entertain your life away. We're, we're not here to entertain. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mark, I want to thank you so much for being on the show, man. This is an incredible honor for, and privilege for me. Thank you Respect so much. Respect, Mr. Watts. And, uh, you're, you know, you, you keep life a very interesting classroom. Thank you so much for learning me good stuff and being aboard. Good people. It's a free flag flying, Mr. Watts. <laughs> Will do. It's been the August 29, 2014 edition of Watt for Pedro Show. Very honored to have Mr. Mark Stewart aboard. Thank you so much, Mark. Good people. Thank you so much, and see you soon, America. Okay. Keep Cheers, your, mate. All right. Out. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>